this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Now, I want to tell you a quick story about meeting this man and, and engaging with uh, him. And he used to teach at one of our uh, rival uh, schools. And, uh, and, and I was taken on a tour of another friend of mine. And I walked into a classroom. And he was teaching. And I know he probably doesn't remember this. But I don't know how old the kids were in the room. But I was introduced and we were talking. And, and the glory of God filled the room. The, the anointing on Danny and Jalissa and their children is amazing. And I know that we will be forever blessed by and transformed by Jesus coming through him today. So would you stand with me and welcome Danny Schrock. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for Jesus this morning? Come on. What a good God. Amen. Wow. Well, can we just give a hand to the worship team? That was wonderful. All of you, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for touching heaven. Thank you for taking us there. Wow. This is such an honor and a privilege. Um, as Rob said, um, the first thing I actually noticed uh, while he was up here was that he has his school color on his feet. Um, we didn't like Maslin yellow. We... And of course, we were, we were faith Christian purple, you know, what's purple, you know? But anyways, um, this is an honor to be here. I just want to honor Pastor Rob and Jen and the family and all the leaders here. Guys, um, you're very honored for these leaders. Um, they are incredible shepherds. And yes, yes, I tell you what they have, what they've poured into my life personally has been worth, I can't even tell you, it's definitely worth its weight in gold what they have imparted into us. And so it is an honor to be here today. Um, I'm really excited. Um, why don't we do this? Why don't we just take a moment? Why don't we just hold our hearts before the Lord? So just picture yourself just opening your heart up to the King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As I was getting up this morning to pray for this service, I kept on hearing and kept on hearing, tell them how much I love them. Tell them how much I pursue them. Tell them I want them to be with me. And so just open your heart up to the God who pursues you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we say this? Just, just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus... I open my heart to you. I need to encounter you. I need to know you. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Well, this is an honor. Like Rob said, my name is Danny. Um, my wife, Jalissa, is here. And we've got our two kids in the front, uh, Ezra and Annie. Ezra is three years old. Uh, Annie is uh, six months old. Uh, we are incredibly blessed, um, and uh, 
Yeah, we, I just want to tell you a little bit about where I come from, my background. I, uh, just a short testimony of, of where I came from. I grew up in the conservative Mennonite community uh, in Sugar Creek, just, in, just across uh, the way. And um, I grew up in a conservative Mennonite home, and I, I, I went to church every Sunday. I, my parents were good parents. My, I went to a Christian school. I had it all around me. But I had no inward experience of the love of God. I actually had no inward experience of the relationship of God. I had none of it. At seven years old, I prayed the prayer of salvation. And I know something changed. I'm almost positive that's when I was born again. But you see, after I was born again, I had no walk with the Lord. And in my teenage years, as I went through my teenage years, I tried to hide behind every hat that I could put on. Uh, these hats would take the form of uh, basketball, of youth group, of going to church. I would do all the stuff. I would try and hide behind these masks and these hats and, uh, to hide what I was having inside. I was broken inside. I was addicted. Can I be real honest with you guys? I was addicted to pornography. I, was I had perverse thoughts running through my head all the time. I struggled with anger and judgment, all of these things. And I know that I turned my back on God in my teenage years. And I know, this is crazy to talk about, but I know, should, I have, should the Lord have come back or should I have went away, I know I wouldn't have been with the Lord. I had turned my back on him. There was no relationship. There was no nothing. I had no experience with him. And, um, but I tell you, he's a good God, isn't he? Because that does not stop him at all. He's not offended by that. If you are, I don't know where you are this morning, but if you are broken inside, he's not offended by that. He's not hurt by that. What he's doing is he's a father coming to restore every area of your heart. That's what he does. What a good God. And that's what he did to me. He came and pursued me. And I, I still don't know, <laughs> I still don't know when I was truly reconciled back to the Lord. I really don't. I, what, what happened was, was my identity, I told you my identity was wrapped up in basketball. I, I loved basketball and I, I was good at it and I, I did my best at it. I mean, I trained and I put all my heart into it. And I ended up getting to play in college at Ohio Christian University. And in my first year, I didn't play any. And so that really motivated me for my second year. And you know, that summer, I just worked so hard and so hard and, and trained and ended up getting a starting spot. And we ended up winning the national championship in our division. You know, it's not a big, it's not a big division. It's one of the lower divisions, but we won the national championship in it. And you know what happened after we won that? I went back. I went back home. I don't know if it was my home or my dorm. And I sat down and I said, I am not fulfilled. What is going on? I, I tried everything. I, I put everything I had into this and I was not fulfilled. And it started a deep journey with the Lord. And so um, uh, here's what happened. <laughs> um, I was unfulfilled in basketball. So I said, well, forget basketball. I'm going to get married. That's what I'm going to do. That'll fix everything. <laughs> Friends, you know this, this does not fix anything. <laughs> if you take brokenness into marriage, brokenness stays. So, uh, but anyways, um, I was in a journey leading up to, uh, we were engaged and during this journey of engagement, I quit basketball, got engaged. And during this journey of engagement, I started to seek the Lord. You know what book changed my life? The book of Acts. Um, I did not know that this stuff was available. I didn't know that 
that Philip, when he went down to baptize somebody, he came back up and was 30 miles somewhere else because he was translated. I didn't know that a shadow could heal somebody. I didn't know that, uh, that just because normal men were with Jesus, people could see the boldness on their life. I didn't know that. Oh, but it changed my life. And that started a deep journey. So we got married. Um, and it was rough. Um, <laughs> so got back from our honeymoon. It was rough, you know. We were 20 years old at the time. Both of us were 20 years old, very young. Uh, and, but six weeks into marriage, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it changed my life. Praise God. I tell you, what we need is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We need an encounter with the Spirit of Jesus, and I tell you, He mends everything. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, I just, uh, we just got back from uh, from Orlando, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, the Lord called us down to Orlando to this evangelism boot camp. It was run by CFAN, Daniel Kalenda. And uh, so we actually gave birth, Jalissa gave birth to Annie. Uh, and one week later, we packed the van up and we drove a thousand miles south with a one week old. And so if you're looking at a hero, the hero is right here. And give her a hand. Come on. Um, she's so obedient. To the Lord. Uh, you can see her, the tenderness on her as well. And, and so we went down to Orlando. We got trained for three months in evangelism. We went out to Tanzania. Uh, we just got back in May. And guys, can I tell you something? The harvest is ripe. Now, I know the harvest is ripe. We can talk about Africa. Yes, the harvest is ripe. But my friends, the harvest is ripe right here and right now in Dover. It is ripe right here. And in Tanzania, we saw everything that you could possibly see. We saw blind eyes open. We saw deaf ears open. We saw the lame walk. We, it was just incredible what happened. After three weeks with 100 evangelists, 100 preachers, three weeks, we saw 316,000 decisions for Christ. Come on. Give Jesus some praise. So... Let me just put that into proportion with you. In Acts, in Peter's sermon at Pentecost, I believe there was 3,000 that were saved on that day. If you ration it out, we were seeing on average 14,000 saved every day. And I tell you, we are in the greatest days of harvest we have ever seen. The Lord said, don't, don't, don't wait and say four months and then the harvest will be. He said, lift your eyes up. It is ripe right now. And my friends, it is ripe. And so, actually, if you've got that picture, could you guys throw that up there? Um, this, I, I just wanted to give you one testimony of what we had in Africa. Um, there, was a, uh, there, there was a market that we were preaching at. So, I mean, this was as, as, uh, as basic as you get it. We take speakers out, set them up outside a market, and preach the word of the Lord. And people are getting born again and saved. And, and, uh, and so... We, what we did was we would preach the gospel for 30 minutes, and then we would pray for the sick for 30 minutes. And at the praying for the sick portion on this day, um, this little girl right here, she had, um, I don't know what you would call it, but she couldn't move her arms or her legs properly. So she was, she was like this. She would go like this, and she, she would only limp. And, but I tell you, after we prayed... She tested everything out, and she goes, 
Oh my word. And everything was healed. She was completely healed. She ran for the first time in years. She extended her arms for the first time in years. And I tell you, her mom that is holding her right there, you can see she was a Muslim. Uh, key point, was a Muslim. And when she saw that her daughter was healed, she said, I must give my life to this Christ. And so I tell you, Jesus is moving today. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 25. Um, the, the theme very much today is, is, um, is the love of God. We've, we've seen it all through worship, through the word. And I tell you, that's what changed my life. And there's been what, what has, what has truly changed my life has been the love of God that has pursued me. And the Lord, um, just in the past about six weeks has laid such a heavy message on my heart. And when I looked at it to begin with, I thought, oh, Lord, this does not look like love. And he began to take me through it. And so I want to tell you today, the message may seem heavy, but if you would open your hearts, on the backside of this message is freedom. And it's an encounter with Jesus. And it's a transformed life. And it's brokenness restored, if you will just open your hearts up. Amen? Amen. So... As I, I just want to tell you what, what to expect today. We're going to preach the gospel, and Jesus is going to do what Jesus does. If you preach Jesus as the Savior, he's going to save. If you preach him as the healer, he's going to heal. If you preach him as the one he's going to deliver, he will deliver. And so we're going to preach Jesus this morning. We're going to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When I lock eyes with you, everything changes. That's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to behold the Lamb of God. We're going to look at the cross again. And we're going to see the blood in a new way. We're going to see the cross in a new way. And we're going to see the love of God in a new way. Are you ready for that this morning? Amen. Eternal life. Eternal life is the crux of Christianity. That's, that's what everything hinges on. Uh, we see this in John chapter 3, verse 16. This was probably one of the first verses you ever memorized in, in Bible school or Sunday school or whatever. Um, and it gives us a key into what Jesus is after. You see, he says in John 3.16 that for God so loved, not so was impatient with and put up with humanity, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son Jesus that whosoever believes, and remember that word believe is not just like, we've kind of misconstrued the word believe. When I say I believe my wife, I don't, I'm not saying I believe she exists. I'm saying I trust her with my entire life. You know, it's not that she... She exists. We all know that because I tell you, Muslims believe. My friends, even demons believe. You see, this is a trust that is throwing yourself completely upon a Savior. That's the word believe. He says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is the crux of it. Here's what I thought eternal life growing up was. I thought eternal life was heaven. I thought eternal life was hell. I thought eternal life was living forever. But you see, I read a verse from Jesus, red letters, that absolutely opened my mind. And I've never been the same since. If you turn over, I know I turned you to Matthew 25. If you want to go to John 17, you can. You don't have to. But in John chapter 17, verse 3, John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus is praying to the Father. And he says, and this is eternal life 
he's about to define what eternal life is. And he didn't say heaven, hell, or living forever. He said eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. My friends, if you're waiting for eternal life when you get to heaven, you're missing out. If you wait for eternal life until you die, you are missing out. Eternal life, my friends, is right now because Jesus said eternal life is knowing him and knowing God. And that word know, it's not just you factually know. It's an experiential knowing. It's a firsthand personal acquaintance with God. Just as I hold hands with my wife, just as I hug my wife, just as I spend time with her and be with her, Jesus is even more real than she is because he's with me all the time. And so I tell you, this eternal life is knowing him. If, if I just told my wife all the time and I would tell her, oh, I love you so much. I love you so much and I love you. And, and I would never hug her and I would never hold her hand and I would never spend quality time with her. She would begin to wonder, how much does he actually love me? And I tell you, that's where I was at. Because I thought eternal life was when I get to heaven. My friends, eternal life is right now. And it's an experiential knowing of Jesus that absolutely transforms our lives. He's the one who comes and brings peace and forgiveness. This is where Psalms 34 comes alive. Oh, taste and see. Come on. That is where we taste and see. It's in the knowing of him. My friends, I did not have this. I didn't have it at all. I grew up in, I told you, I grew up in the church. I prayed the prayer. I did not have this. And when I saw this, it was a light bulb moment for me. I, it wrecked me. It, it actually it hasn't stopped wrecking me. It's been about six and a half years, and it has not stopped. Um, and so I want to start with that. Eternal life is knowing him. Eternal life, is, that's according to Jesus. The definition of Jesus is knowing him. So here we go. Let's skip on over to Matthew chapter 25. Um, just before we get into the word, why don't we just pray? Dear Jesus, thank you. God, I ask that you come and open your word and that you reveal it to us, Father. Thank you that you are pursuing each heart in here. Thank you, God. So, Father, we, we give this time to you. I surrender my mouth. I surrender my heart to you. Whatever you want, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 25. This is the parable of the ten virgins. Just before this parable, Jesus was asked the question by his disciples in Matthew chapter 24. They started to ask him, Jesus, what are going to be the signs of the end of the age? What's going to be the sign of, of the end of the world happening? What's going to be the signs? What can we look for? And Jesus doesn't withhold from us. When we ask questions, he answers. And so he answered. And I want you to, to pick up on two things. The first thing he said was, in Matthew chapter 24, was, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Why? Because there are many voices. If you have been alive since COVID, and you are all alive, so you are all here, there are many voices, are there not? There are many things that are being called normal that are not normal. And I tell you, there are many voices coming right now. And so the first thing, look at Jesus' wisdom. He knew, he said, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. How in the world do we not be deceived? We know his voice. My sheep 
will hear my voice and a strangers they will not follow. They will follow my voice. So my friends, this knowing God that I'm talking about, that Jesus is talking about in John chapter 17, verse three, this eternal life, this knowing him, it's a big deal because Jesus said, you got to know me. Do not be deceived because when you know me, you will not be deceived. Right? It's not where we try and decipher all the deception and, and try and figure out all the deception. No, we just know him. We walk with him. And when deception comes, we go, you're not Jesus. Get out. And we keep walking. Amen? So that's why this knowing him is so important. So here we go. He skips down a couple more things. And he gives another sign. And this one gripped my heart. He said, because lawlessness or sin will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. And that gripped my heart. My friends, we are seeing lawlessness increase in ways we have never seen before. If Peter thought we were in the end times 2,000 years ago, we are in the end times of the end times of the end times of the end times. It is the last hour, friends. The harvest is ripe. We are here. And so he said the love of many will grow cold. That gripped my heart because that immediately meant that there are some who will start well, who will start well. They will have the love of God. They will start well. But it says it will grow cold. Today, friends, today, today, the love of God will run red hot through your heart again. If you will open up your heart today, he will come. He is constantly pursuing you and wooing you and calling you and beckoning you and calling you to come to him. If you will open up your heart today, that coldness that I had will be eradicated and a red hot love and a beauty and a wonder and the majesty of the cross again will become real to you. Amen? Amen. That was a long intro. Matthew chapter 25. Here we go. Wow. Rob said I only have until 1230, and so every pastor has to give a time joke, right? That's, that's a real thing, right? No. Matthew chapter 25. So I'm speaking to three groups today. There are wise virgins, there are foolish virgins, and there are burning ones. There are three groups today. And so if you have grown up in the church and church is your home, obviously if you are visiting or you're online and, and you don't know the Lord, you don't fit into these three groups because you're, you're part of the lost. You've never been saved. And so that's, that's another group. But I'm speaking to the church today. And there's three groups. There is the wise virgins, the foolish virgins, and the burning ones. And so here we go, Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read 1 through 12. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, and friends, the bridegroom is Jesus. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, 
for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, friends, catch this. The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, do you see how they address him? Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There's a few key things that I need you to to gather here. Like I told you, there's three groups. And a parable is powerful because a parable acts as a mirror. And you can see yourself in the mirror. And so that's what's so powerful about this. But some of the key points is there were five wise and there were five foolish. And the only difference between the two groups, the only difference, was that the wise had extra flasks of oil. That was the only difference. And so here's what all ten had. All ten had a lamp. Catch this. All ten had a confession. All ten had a confession that they carried around. And all ten were expecting to meet the bridegroom. If they were not expecting to meet the bridegroom, they would not have been waiting for him. They were expecting to meet him. So he's talking to the church. This is not to the lost sheep outside of the fold. This is to the church. And he's saying all ten were expecting to meet him. And all ten fell asleep. And we know at the end that five, half of them, got shut out of the kingdom because they did not know him. They did not know him. And so I want to I point out a few things to you. You see, the wise did have extra flasks of oil, but it says as the bridegroom was delayed, they all came, became drowsy and slept. My friends, drowsiness came first. It says they became drowsy and then they slept. There's two stages to this. You see, this is, this is not... A sleep where, okay, I'm going to go to bed tonight. This is where they accidentally fell asleep. They accidentally fell asleep. They were, they were sitting. I, I could just imagine them sitting on a bench, you know, waiting for the bridegroom, sitting. And as he was delayed, you know how you can sit at the mall and your wife is shopping and, you know, life is good. But man, that recliner just feels pretty good. And you just sit there and you just kind of nod off a little bit. Does anybody know the nod in here? Like... That's, that's the catch and flies knot. I, I do that often. But you see, that's stage number one. There's a drowsiness that first precedes sleeping. There's a point in your drowsiness where you become conscious that you are drowsy. And there is a conscious decision to go to sleep. There's a conscious decision to go to sleep. And you see, they all made that conscious decision to set aside their lamps and sleep. You know, they didn't take their lamps. You know, these things were dangerous. They had hot oil and everything. They didn't take their lamps, sit down, and put their lamps on their lap. They took this lamp, and they set it to the side and slept. And so each one who was called to be the light of the world, who was called to be a city set on a hill, laid their lamps down 
became drowsy, and then made the conscious decision to sleep. I want to remind you, this is jarring, but the love of God is on the backside pursuing you. Keep your hearts open. Keep your hearts open. You see, there was one thing that woke them up. It was a shout. A shout. It took a jarring alarm. Sound the alarm. Wake up. The bridegroom is coming. Get your lamps ready. And there was a shout that jarred them awake. And all of a sudden they were awake. Okay, here we go. And it says they all rose, all trimmed their lamps, and got ready to go. And here's where the wise were distinguished between the foolish. Here's where the wise had the extra oil. The foolish had no extra oil. This is what pains my heart. I have wept over this passage. Because I've seen how people have started well. They have started well. But at the end, there is no more oil. And they're trying to borrow some from somebody else. My friends, Jesus is the one who anoints. And he's got an endless supply of oil. It says that the foolish took no oil. It means that there was some available. It was available. It was not like the Lord withheld from them. It was available. Are you tracking with me this morning? If you're tracking with me this morning, say amen. Amen, amen. And so, the wise can't give him any oil. The foolish have to go buy some. And here's the very tragic part. When they go to buy some, the bridegroom comes. And the door is shut. But they realize it. They come back. They realize it. And they knock on the door. They knock on the door. Can you imagine this? They knock and they knock and they knock and they knock. And they say, Lord, Lord. They are calling him Lord. Open to us. They're calling him Lord. They were not unfamiliar with him. They knew they, they got the language. They got the verbiage somewhere, but they began to call him Lord. And here's the answer of eternal life that Jesus gives them. Do you remember John 17 verse 3? Eternal life is knowing him. He says, my friends, I do not know you. I do not know you. All ten confessed Christ. All ten. Every single one confessed Him. They confessed Him as Lord. But at the last second, half of them were turned away. I tell you, friends, many have a lamp of confession. But few actually know and experience the bridegroom. But my friends, it's not for a lack of it being available. It is available. So my friends, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to turn to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I tell you, He will come into your heart, cleanse every part of you. You're not too far gone. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you, forgive you, fill you with His presence and spirit, wrap you up in His arms and hug you. That's the Father that wants to hold you. My friends, it is available, but it is because something else has taken our attention and our affection away from Him. And all of a sudden, we don't know Him anymore. He did not say, did you confess me as Lord? Because they did. He said, do you know me? Do you know me? Do you know me? I tell you today, there are some of you who are going to have overwhelming and overflowing joy that you have not experienced in a long time because you are going to be come back 
and be reintroduced to the bridegroom. And I tell you, joy is going to fill your soul. Amen? Amen. So let's look at the foolish virgin. The foolish virgin we start to understand. They had no oil. They had no, that oil is representative of grace. Anything in, in, in scripture with oil is, is sanctification, grace, setting apart. It's grace. And it also, we also get that confirmed by the number. The number five represents grace, in, biblically. And so here, the number five, so they're showing us it's grace. Something to do with grace. That oil is grace. And here's what the Lord started to show me. And I, I told you guys, I'm a love of God preacher. And here the Lord is dropping this bomb on me. And I feel, I feel like Jeremiah. You remember the weeping prophet? That's exactly how I felt when I, I started to see this. I'm like, Lord, I don't even know if I want to carry this message to these people. Because it's not, when I say these people, I'm not talking about this house. He's put this message on me for many. And, and he said, Danny, there's freedom. There's love on the backside. He said, it may feel like a sledgehammer to a dam, but when it's broken, the dam is flowing. Amen? There's dams going to be open today in your heart. Dams that you feel have been stopped up for a long time, they're going to be opened by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so I want to tell you, Hebrews 10 shows us the foolish virgin. Hebrews 10. If you want to go there, you can. It's going to be, we're going to start in uh, verse 26. Hebrews 10. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 10, verse 26. When I read this, I was jarringly um, shook, is a good word. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three working witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant? And guys, here it is. And has outraged the Spirit of grace. He goes on to say that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. My friends, this was me in my teenage years. I know it because I confessed him. But I had no inward experience of God. I had no relationship. And my life was a life of verse 26, sinning deliberately. I'm not talking about grace, where you fall and the grace of God comes to pick you up and you keep going. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is if you mess up, oh my goodness, the grace is there to be and to push you forward. But I'm talking about deliberately sinning. Deliberately. You know it. I knew it. When I was stuck in pornography and addicted to that, I knew it and I stayed there. It was, you see, grace is something that picks you up and you keep walking. Sinning deliberately is sitting down in it. That's sitting down in the mud. That's what it is. So my friends, if you're hearing this as harsh, if you're hearing this as, 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 as heavy, my friends, it is. It's because it's the real thing. And my friends, I was here. I was here. And so we know the foolish version. We all know, oh my goodness, when we look at the three groups, 
foolish virgin, wise virgin, burning one. I for sure do not want to be a foolish virgin. We know that. We don't want to be a foolish virgin. I was there, my friends. I, actually, I want to tell you a couple testimonies that I've been having very recently. I enjoy doing evangelism and, and leading outreaches and going on one-on-one evangelism. I enjoy speaking, but one-on-one evangelism I do as well. And I enjoy that. And, and I've started to skip past all the stuff. Because if you ask somebody if they're born again, 95% of the time the answer is, yes, I am. And when Jesus says, when he's asked the question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? He said, yes. And so when I'm hearing 95% of people saying, yeah, I'm born again, I cut right through it. And I say, okay, do you experience God? And immediately it's like, um, I don't know. Like, not really, I don't think. And that's when I say, okay, when I lay my hands on you, the spirit of God is going to touch you. And you are going to feel something because he's a God who loves. And he's a God who is a God of, oh, taste and see. He's the one who wants to hold your hand, hug you, walk with you. He's going to touch you. And so every time, it never fails. I lay my hand on them. They experience something, peace, warmth, something. And they're like, whoa, that's crazy. Yep, that's Jesus. And they walk with Jesus. And so I've been having these experiences where every, I just skip past it and I say, do you experience Jesus? Now, I want to tell you something that has been happening for the past two weeks. This is very recent. In the past two weeks, what's been going on has been, I've been doing the same thing. I skipped through all the stuff. I said, do you experience Jesus? And all of a sudden, now I'm getting the answer, no, the answer, not really, kind of, not really. But now, I've been laying my hands on people, and there's been people who have been, who I know in the community, that I'm near to, so on and so forth. And I say, okay, same deal. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and the Spirit of God is going to touch you. Okay, well, I did that. And the first, thing, first time I did that, let me skip back to Orlando. First time I did that was in Orlando at the altar. Somebody came forward. I'm not experiencing God. I don't, I don't feel like I know Him. Are you born again? Yes. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay, um, well, let me lay my hands on you. You're going to feel something. That was the whole encounter. And so I did, and I go, okay, what would you experience? He goes, Nothing. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, um, all right, nothing. So I took a step back. And immediately the Lord said, he's living in sin. And I thought, oh God, oh God. Okay, here I am. Now I have a choice to make. I can either confront that in him in love because that's the most loving thing I could do. Why, why, why would I want to just lead him on and just say, no, keep doing your thing, keep living in sin. And at the end, it, the Lord comes to him and says, do you know me? Actually, I don't know you. That's the worst thing that could happen. And so I said, point blank, I said, are you living in sin? And if you're living in sin, you know it, yeah. right? Yeah. This is deliberate, okay? I'm talking about deliberate sin, not grace where you fall, you get picked up, and you keep going. I'm talking about deliberate sin. And he goes, yes. And I said, dude, today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day to turn away from that and turn to the Lord. You're going to have everything washed away. You're going to experience him and turn to him and love him. It's going to happen today. Are you ready to turn away from that? And the answer was, I'm not willing. He said, I am not willing. And he walked away from the altar. Fully believing. Catch this, friends. Fully believing he's okay. Fully believing he's okay. My friends, it's deception. It's deception. We've, that is where the spirit of grace is outraged. 
I've been seeing this. And so it happened, guys, it's happened in the last two weeks. It happened three more times. I haven't been experiencing the Lord. I've got so much anger within me. I don't even know what to do. I've been reading the Bible. I've been worshiping, but I don't even feel God anymore. And what, my friends, we are not governed by feelings, but if you do not feel something, the only thing that does not feel something is a corpse and it is dead. And so we're not governed by feelings. We're governed by truth. But my friends, feelings follow. It's like when I'm married to my wife, just like I talked with you. If I didn't have feelings for her, she'd begin to wonder how much I actually love her. Right? That is God. And so they said, you know, I don't experience God. And I told them this testimony. And they said, dude, that's, that's me. And I said, dude, today is your day. Today's the day to turn away from that and turn to Jesus. You're not too far gone. He will come in, swoop in, rescue you, love you, set your feet upon a rock and push you forward. Are you ready? And he said, I'm ready. And oh, my friends, all we did, I tell you, it was the most simplest thing we could have done. A short and easy. All we did was lead a prayer of repentance. That's it. Of turning. You're walking here, and we're just going to turn to Jesus. And it was a short prayer. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit blasted him. And it happened three more times. I'm telling you guys, we are living in an age where we have so many lamps of confession, but so few have actual experience and knowing him. And it's time, friends, today's the day that we are going to move away from sin. And it's not even just sin, it's complacency. I will show you where complacency is at. So that's the foolish virgin. I've been seeing these testimonies all over, but I tell you, friends, they're getting restored and they're walking with the Lord now. Come on, is there nothing better than that? Come on. But, you know, we think, we see, okay, I for sure am not, I don't want to be the foolish virgin. And we think, okay, I just want to be the wise virgin. Well, my friends, I want to tell you something. The wise virgins, too, were at fault. How can you say that? How can you say the wise virgins were also at fault? Well, friends, if you look, if they would have been awake, they could have noticed the foolish virgins and noticed they had no oil and shook them awake and said, hey, wake up. You have no oil. You have to go get oil before the bridegroom returns. But they couldn't do it. Why? Friends, because that side of the church was also asleep. Are you with me today? Are you with me today? My friends, this is where I was just months ago. Months. Let me tell you a story. I, I was down and we had moved in January to Orlando for three months. I had been following the Lord, guys. Like we, I had a relationship with the Lord. I was not living in sin. I, I had a great relationship with the Lord. But my friends, something snuck in to my life. And it was complacency and apathy for my fellow brethren. And it just snuck in unknowingly. But in February of this year, I had an encounter with the Lord that shook me to my core. And this was an encounter with the fear of the Lord. And my friends, if you think the fear of the Lord is fearful, it is. But I can't even describe you. It is so loving. I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it to you. But my friends, it was terrifying. I had this encounter where I could feel the heaviness of the Lord. And I saw a, a vision. I saw in my mind's eye, I saw what was happening. I was weeping and travailing so hard 
in this room. I mean, I was almost yelling. I was crying so hard. I thought my insides were going to bust. And I was like, what is going on? And all of a sudden the Lord showed me. And I've known I've been called to ministry for a long time. And what I saw was I saw myself building this tower. And it was ministry. I was building this tower of ministry. And the eyes of the Lord were on me as I was building that tower. They were on me. But I saw progressions happen as I was building the tower. As I was building it, all of a sudden I started to forsake knowing Him and doing ministry instead. That's a dangerous place to be. And I saw it happening. And I felt the eyes of the Lord shift away from me. He was looking at me, looking at the tower. And as He shifted His eyes away, it was separation from God. And my friends, no human being on earth has been created for separation from God. I tasted, I mean, the smallest of the small drops that you could ever get. And I tasted it. And it is not for us. I tell you, friends, we have been, we have been called to be reconciled to God. We are not called to be pushed away from God. But I saw it happening. And I could see how at the end of my life, Matthew 7 would have been my mantra. Lord, Lord, I cast out all these demons. Lord, Lord, I prophesied. I did all these things. I saw all these healings. I did all this stuff, Lord. And his answer would have been, I don't know you. I don't know you. And I was shook. And my friends, that was the shout of the Matthew 25. That was the shout that jarred me awake. And I was like, oh my word. And I was suddenly awake. Whew. My friends, you say, oh man, you don't, <laughs> now I don't want to, now I don't want to be a wise virgin either. <laughs> I don't want to be a foolish virgin. I don't want to be a wise virgin. Which one do I want to be? There's only one left, and it's called the burning ones. And the burning one only has one line in this story. It's the one who says, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Get ready. Come out to meet him. That's the burning one. That's the one you want to be. My friends, a burning one, here's what a burning one is like. These are the ones who have had their hearts stolen by God. They burn with liquid love for their maker. His desires are their desires. They can't stop thinking about him. They prioritize his voice. They hear his beckoning. They hear his calling. They obey his call. Their desire is for him and him alone. They feed on his flesh. They drink of his blood. They are the ones who are in love with the bridegroom because the burning one always had his eyes open and ready and watching for the bridegroom because he was in love. Oh, and he wanted to see that bridegroom come. And it wasn't until he was coming, he shouted, you're not awake. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. And my friends, I know I was a wise virgin. I went from stages. I was at one time a foolish virgin. I was a foolish virgin. I knew it. When I saw this story, I knew it. In my teenage years, I was a foolish virgin claiming a confession with no relationship. That was not it. But then I moved to a burning one. I had this encounter with the Lord, and I moved to a burning one. And man, that was me. And I tell you, it's crazy. You know what happens when burning ones start to open their mouths? Persecution. And I tell you, 
It's like gasoline to a fire. Amen? Come on. We want that. We want that. We want that. We ought to be opening our mouths enough to create some ruckus. Amen? And I want to tell you, I, I went to that burning one, but then I told you something slipped in unknowingly. And it was complacency. And it was apathy. And I was the wise virgin who had the oil. I had a relationship. I was going to go to heaven. I wasn't going to get shut out. But I was asleep. And it wasn't until that jarring shout from the burning one that woke me up. And I tell you today, many hearts are going to be awakened today. I tell you, you do not have to be afraid of this call from the Lord. My friends, anything that is of sin or complacency or apathy, it has no fulfillment within you. There is a Lamb of God who says, come and feast on my flesh. Come, I will walk with you and be with you. That's the God we serve. Amen. Are you thankful for Jesus this morning? Man, I tell you what, my sins have been forgiven. I've been washed and cleansed and I can't get over it. I can't get over it. I'm free. I'm free. And my friends, freedom is available today as well. Amen? Amen. It's available. It's available. I, <laughs> I want to read two things for you. This is from a commentary. It said, the wise virgins kept their lamps burning but they did not keep themselves awake. Too many real Christians, real, grow remiss, and one degree of carelessness makes way for another. Those that allow themselves to slumber will scarcely keep from sleeping. Therefore, dread the beginning of spiritual decays. A startling summons was given. Go ye forth to meet him. This is a call to those prepared. The notice of Christ's approach, we are there. The notice of Christ's approach is here. And the call to meet Him will awaken. There's ones calling out right now. I tell you, Jesus is calling out to your heart right now. He's speaking to many of you even now. I can feel it. And I tell you, He's calling to you and saying, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry at you, but I'm calling and I'm calling. Come, child. Come, I will forgive everything. You don't have to worry. You're not too far gone. Look to my cross. Look to the blood. Come into my arms. Leave what is over here. Leave the complacency. Leave it. It's not even fulfilling you. Come to me. I'll set your heart on fire. Yes, and amen. Amen. I want to read you something I wrote. The Lord dropped this on me one day. While I was preparing this message, I didn't even know I was, at this point, Rob had never, had never even asked me to speak here. And I was preparing this message because I knew the Lord called me to carry this message. And I was just sitting there preparing and meditating and seeing the virgins in my mind's eye and asking the Lord and everything, and he dropped this on me. And he said, Danny, the cry of the end times church will not be rescue me. For he has already done that. The cry of the end times church will be marry me. If you do not love him now, do not be deceived into thinking you will love him on that day. My friends, it's time for our hearts to be set on fire for the Lamb of God again. For his love to touch us again. It's time. My friends, 
If you could all stand. If I could get somebody just to play the keys, that would be awesome. So please stand. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. I hear the Lord say, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. I can feel there's many weighing out the cost on this. And Jesus does say to weigh out the cost. But I I hear the Lord say, do not be afraid. I am your protection. If you're just trying to protect yourself, something inevitably will fail. Run to me. I am your protection. I'll put you under the shadow of my wings. The sin and this complacency, whether you're a foolish virgin or a wise virgin or you're one of the burning ones in here, I tell you, today is a day to have your heart set on fire for God again. It's time. Do you remember that fervor you had at the beginning? Do you remember? It was like you could open up your Bible and you knew the Lord was speaking to you. And it was so real to you. And it was so amazing. Do you remember when you used to worship? And just hold your heart before me. What peace I filled you with. How I held you. Do you remember? My friends, the call's going out again. You don't have to be afraid. That moment can happen right now. Right now, it can happen again. You don't have to go through a long process. It's not, you have to carry your own stuff. It's like, like Pastor Rob said, the burdens. It's like, oh, but I have to carry my burdens. I've picked these up. They're mine to carry. My friends, come to Jesus. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Cast all your cares on me. You don't have to carry it any longer. You don't have to carry it any longer. There's a savior waiting. My friends, your heart's gonna be touched with love today. There's gonna be joy overflowing. As you turn away from what has held you back and you turn to Jesus afresh, a new, fresh surrender. It's like going right back to the beginning. And it's going to be set on fire again. My friends, in just a few moments, moments I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the, to the call of God. Many of you are feeling something right now. And what you're feeling is what was happening in Song of Solomon chapter 5. Song of Solomon is a love story. And the bridegroom goes to knock on the door of the bride and knocks and knocks and knocks and many of you feel that knocking right now but you see the bride the bride was sleeping inside and she couldn't get out of her drowsiness until finally she thought my bridegroom and she jumps up and she runs to the door and she opens the door and he's gone But my friends, that's not what's going to happen today. The bride, the bridegroom is knocking and he is here. And many of you hear the call. You hear the knock. You hear the loving voice of that wonderful Savior saying, come, I'll set your heart on fire again. Come, my friends, you're not too far gone. You're not too far gone.
You're not too far gone. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He's calling you to awaken. He's calling you to awaken. Whether you're deliberately living in sin, you need to be up here. And you need to turn away from that. Turn to Jesus. He'll fill you with everything. Or whether you're the wise virgin who has the relationship, but something of complacency snuck in. The call is going out. It's time to be a burning one again. Friends, I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying, and when I say amen, if you have identified yourself as the foolish virgin or the wise virgin, you need to respond to the altar. God is calling you and knocking on your heart. And all he's asking for is a response. And my friends, I tell you, Hebrews 4 says, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Don't harden your heart as in the rebellion. So my friends, many of you are hearing that call and you're feeling it and you're remembering what it was like when you were first with him, how captivated you were by him. My friends, it's available today. He's asking you to respond. And so I'm going to pray and when I say amen, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Jesus is calling you to respond and to come forward. And to give your heart over to him afresh. To turn away from complacency and sin and turn to the precious Lamb of God. So I'm going to pray when I say amen. If he's calling you, come. And I mean don't waste any time and run. So dear Jesus, God I thank you for the summit. I thank you for every single one that is in this room. God I thank you that you love them so much that you've had no intention of hurting them. But Father, as we turn to you, you will scoop us up. You never stop pursuing us. Thank you. So Father, I pray that you give each one here the courage to respond to your call. Holy Spirit, come. Any lies that are being thrown in the mind, I command you, get out now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If that is you, come, come, come. If you know you need your heart set on fire again, come. Don't waste any time. Come. It's okay. Come. Kneel at the altar. Come. It's okay. Cry out to God. Come. Yes, yes, yes. My friends, today's the day. Today's the day. It goes back to what it was. Today's the day we turn away. Come. If this is you, come. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Keep coming all over this room. Keep coming. Keep coming. He's calling. He's calling to your heart right now. Come. 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 Give your heart over afresh to him. Thank you, Jesus. Just cry out to him. Just cry out to him. Thank you, Jesus. If you are out there and you've said, I'm a burning one, the only way that you're out in the, in the crowd is if you are a burning one right now. You are burning hot with love for the Savior. So come, if you are that, begin to intercede for these are up front. Begin to intercede. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you. If you're stuck in a rut of complacency, come, come, come.
If you are stuck, come. Today's the day. You don't have to be ashamed. It's the glorious gospel. I tell you, it's the glorious joy of the Lord that you will experience today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to lift up praise to Him. Just begin to lift up praise to Him. All over this room, just lift up praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Captivate my heart again. Show me the gospel again. Show me the blood again. Show me the cross again. Father, fill me with your spirit again. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, what we're going to do is all we're going to do is we're going to go in a simple prayer of turning away from the complacency and the sin, and we're turning to Jesus. And my friends, all of you here, if you're out in the crowd, please join in on everything and encourage everyone that is in here. So every voice be lifted up as we turn to our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone in here, I want you to look at the cross in your mind's eye. Look at the cross again. Look at Jesus. Thank you. So my friends, what we're going to do is we're just going to repeat a simple prayer. And it's a declaration of turning away and turning afresh to Jesus. And so everyone all around this room, lift this up. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I lift my heart to you. I turn away from sin. I turn away from complacency. And I turn to you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. Every broken area healed. I turn to you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. The scriptures tell us that the disciples were called to go share the good news of the gospel to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The things that have left you today, the freedom that you feel today to be obedient to the Lord is to walk in his steps and so we have some people that have already said that they want to be baptized today and so we're going to do that and you're all participating in that but if you were here if you were up here and you gave your life to the Lord maybe it was the first time that you've ever felt his love and you want to be washed to be buried that that person is now dead raised to walk in a new life in a new life you're never going to go back to the old stuff then today is your day so they're going to worship the team will come back up and they're going to lead some worship for us and uh, as they do if you are in the room and you want to get baptized i want you to come forward and i want you to meet with pastor phyllis right here in the front so please come do that now we have clothes we have all that stuff for you so don't wait just do it I believe there's more than just one that's already changing. There's more in the room. The Lord wants to cleanse you. 
to make this outward declaration of the inward change that happened this morning. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. So Father, today we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you have come, you have touched, you have healed. And Lord, as we go through the waters of baptism today, Lord, I just thank you that we can have freedom in the cleansing, freedom in the river. So Lord, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Pastor Sean, when I got your text, I that you wanted to do this today. The Lord gave me a verse, and I'm going to have Caitlin read it because I don't want to touch the Bible. So, uh, but I want her to read it, and then I want to explain what the Lord showed me. 1 Samuel 17, verse 40 says, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I was actually working yesterday, and um, we were out of camp, and Pastor Sean texted me and said, hey, tomorrow's my day to, to do this again. And I want to I do this, and the Lord gave me that scripture, so I quick pulled it up on my phone, and started reading about it and he showed me a vision that David fought Saul's battle um, he did it in his own way and uh, and that he went to the brook and picked out five smooth stones and the only way that a stone gets smooth in the brook is because the waters moved it and it's beaten against some other things and it gets smooth and and I know that I know your story and God has led you through a lot. And there have been some things that uh, have knocked off the rough edges and made you smooth. And the reason why a smooth stone is so important is because it's accurate. And the next season that you're about to step into is one of accuracy, uh, one of divine purpose and a seeing uh, that one, one of the things about the story, he, David saw Saul's battle. He decided he was going to take it on, and he said, I'm going to do it in my way. And there's only one way that Pastor Sean knows how to minister, and we've all experienced it that have been in the room, and that is to make much of Jesus. And so I know that the, the things that are coming in the next season are going to empower you but they're definitely, no matter how, how they look, they're gonna be conquered because you've spent time with him and he's smoothed out the rough edges and made you accurate. And so it is an honor to do this and to be with you in the pool. Is there anything you wanna share? Uh, last Sunday, <clears throat> uh, I think the weight of really hit me last Sunday it has nothing to do with me but I've known this for years but for some reason last Sunday it's like the whole weight of this responsibility just fell on me when Pastor Rob said what he said last Sunday about the nations all of a sudden something changed and the weight of it just fell on me and uh, 
this is just a symbol I want to dedicate my life. And I've been, I've been baptized 34 years ago, First Assembly of God, New Philadelphia, with my dad in the crowd and my brother and sister with me. And but now I'm. This is symbolic of dedicating my life to what the Lord has for me in this next season. So this is an honor for you to do this. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pray over this, and then I'm gonna hand this off. Father, I stand here with a brother, a friend, uh, man. Sean and Susan. Lord, I thank you for the years undercover. Lord, we don't know the price of those around us. We don't know the price that they've paid, but Lord, we do know how much you love them, how much you care for them, how much you've used them in the quiet times, in the closet times. And Lord, we just give you this, this special time. We give it to you. Thank you, Lord. step. I don't want you to fall off and you can still see over. That's good. So I want you to share with them who you are and why you want to get baptized today. I'm Allie and I'm getting baptized today. I was over there just standing and I got a message from God saying redeem and just redeem and like holy cow that hit hard and here I am. I'm redeeming my life to the Lord because just if he tells you to do something, do it. Because he's going to put 
He's gonna test you with stuff in your life, but he's gonna be there and he's gonna help you through that stuff. And um, <laughs> I'm doing it. Amen. Well, Father, I thank you for Allie, for her obedience to you. Lord, we thank you that today is a day of bearing the old and redeeming to new life. So, Lord, we give you this time. We thank you for it. May this be a trajectory change. Thank you, Lord. Often you've been the youngest. Well, there's many stories, including the one that I just referenced, where the youngest becomes, becomes the one that takes down the giants. There's been giants that have been against your family for a long time that have seemed like they're overpowering everything. And sometimes it takes the smallest one, the one that's hidden, to bring it forth. And so I pray that as we take this step today, that you'll begin to walk in new power, new understanding of the word, and you're gonna begin to see supernaturally the things that need to shift. And then you'll, be, you'll have the authority to do it, okay? Freedom in Jesus' name. of Christ. I'm going to be back there, but thank you, Danny, for being obedient. Thank you for being available. God needs available people. Thank you to those over here who made this choice, and for those of you who come and been touched by the Lord today. Today is a day, and I know I harp on this all the time. When you take notes, you remember 30% more. When you write a journal entry in, it never goes away. And someday your grandkids and your great-grandkids and someday they're going to find this leather-bound journal and they're going to say, oh my word, on this day, my grandpa, my grandma, my great-grandpa, my great-grandma had a move of God in their life and now I'm a beneficiary. So please, if God has done something for you today and you've received it wholly, I ask you to go write it down, sit right down after we're done here and write it. Go get buy a new journal at Drug Mart and write it down before you get through today. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.